careful now. Boing. So cool to be playing vinyl. Vinyl. Took the record off the turntable. You ready for this? Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. Here's your host, Stu Jeffries. Thanks for joining us. If you're listening for the first time, this is the podcast where our musical guests play vinyl copies of their biggest hits and give us the stories behind the music. In this episode, Fred Schneider of the B-52s joins us to give some background on their biggest hit, Love Shack, and what exactly a Love Shack is. Uh, You'd open the door, and it's because it's like in the woods somewhere. You'd open the door, and all of a sudden you're in this fabulous African-American, wild disco playing wild music, James Brown, everything. More with Fred shortly. First up, Ian Thomas talks about life on the road, strip joints, and missing home with Painted Ladies. Painted Ladies, uh, 1973. Uh, Okay, so here was a song that came out of sort of my life, really, at that time. So here I was, the son of a former Baptist minister, now a university professor, philosophy professor. So I had lived a pretty sheltered life in the world of academe, and... um, All of a sudden, I was in a band playing just the hellholes of Ontario, sharing dressing rooms with strippers, which some of them were turning tricks on the side, so it wasn't all bad. Uh, But it was culture shock. Um, And when you're stuck in some dumpy hotel uh, in the middle of nowhere, playing really questionable social experience uh, you miss home like the Dickens so lyrically the song sort of came out of came out of that you know I'd wake up in the morning you know one of the strippers would be coming out of her room and you know, heading down for breakfast together and uh, so it was a real uh, uh, it was a real culture shock for me. Now the actual song, nothing but really fond memories. We recorded that at RCA Studios on Mutual Street uh, in Toronto. I think it's been torn down now because we needed another parking lot. Eh? And uh, so we did it on night sessions because I had two kids by, by the time uh, I signed my album deal with GRT. And I was working at CBC as a producer, so at nights I went to RCA to record. And uh, the clavinet part did not appear until the recording sessions. I had written the song in my basement. They had these old TC630s, they were called. It was a sound-on-sound Sony tape recorder. So I could stack up harmonies and guitar parts. So I had the whole song together, with the exception of uh, bass and drums, and, uh, and the uh, clavinet was an idea of uh, John Lombardo's, who was uh, the producer for me on that. I didn't want to produce my own stuff, and uh, at that point anyway. And John Kapek, a wonderful writer who ends, ended up he wrote uh, Rhythm of My Heart with Mark Jordan uh, and a number of other uh, great songs for other artists. Uh, John played the clavinet on uh, Painted Ladies. 
So, and then, and then I stacked up all the harmonies just like I did at home on my TC630. And then that song, I just watched it sail up the charts. I often wondered why the song didn't go farther than number 27 or 26 in Billboard. And then I read the book Hitman and I realized $250,000 had to change hands to break the top 20. And, uh, and then that was just such a revelation to me that I just thought, oh man, what a rotten business this is. Because we were top 10 in, in so many major cities. And I couldn't understand how we could be top 10 in all those cities and, ta- and just number 27 in Billboard. It made no sense. And then when I was talking to uh, uh, Ross Reynolds the other day about this, he was the president of GRT in Canada, but the mother company in the United States uh, was Chess Janus Records that GRT, General Recorded Tape, had bought, and they were just cheapskates. They wanted, they just sort of threw everything at the wall and they weren't willing to spend a penny on anything. And of course, no money would exchange hands. Uh, of course, if they'd chucked the, the, the 200 grand or whatever it was uh, in, the album would have been front racked and it would be a, a totally different story. But that's the, uh, that's the nature of music business. Some days you need the... Uh, you have to uh, pave the road ahead with greenbacks. Ian Thomas, Painted Ladies on Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. My name is Stu Jeffries. I'm your musical tour guide as we hear the stories behind the songs we've all heard, but often wondered how or where the inspiration came from. Like these guys, Freddie Kirchie and Steve DeMarchi of Sheriff stopped by our studios to give some insight on When I'm With You. Wow, haven't heard this version in a long time, huh? It's been about 20 years for me. Yeah. It's so different. Wow. So, 1982. Grant Avenue Studios in Hamilton. That's right. Incredible, huh? And this, what a lot of people don't know, the, uh, remember the bed tracks were done by uh, Daniel Lanois. That's right. And he was, gonna, he was supposed to be the engineer for this record, remember? But he got a call to uh, go work with a little small band in Ireland which ended up being you too. <laughs> so we ended up doing the rest of the record with Stacy. Well, he owned the studio, right? He owned the he studio, He actually yeah. owned the studio in Hamilton, Ontario. That's you, right, yeah. You mentioned. But then he took off and left us with Stacy. We finished the record, whatever. It was great. But, uh, yeah, this, so this song, remember when it came out? It was a hit for us in the early 80s. And then... Uh, that's right. It punk went rock to, and... It went to number 61 on Billboard. Is that right? That's right, 61 yeah. on Billboard. And yeah. then it went down. Yeah, and then everything ended for us because uh, punk rock came out and new wave and skinny that's it. we're out of a job, so we became couriers. And while we well, the reason we became couriers was you and I purchased our own recording studio. We did, and yeah. we had to pay it and off somehow. It. Yeah, so we worked at the courier thing for what four years, and that was a rough thing because you know you would deliver a parcel. I don't know if it happened to you, but it happened to me many times. We'd deliver a parcel and the song's playing on the radio and you'd say, hey, that's my band, that's me on the, that's me on the radio. <laughs> and they'd go, yeah, right, get out. You know, remember that? But, but then it when, it, when it did become, uh, it somehow got, got out there that we were couriers and CBC was trying to chase us. 
Well, this is after, though. Before that happened, we got a call from Dean Cameron. Right? You were talking about the second time you became the hit. So, yeah, we got a call from... We were working on the Alias album. Well, it wasn't Alias. We were just working on tracks. Uh, But, uh, yeah, remember we got a call from Dean saying, you guys are going to have a hit. We both got a call. I remember, Fred, do you realize you have a number one record? Yeah. What are you talking about? Our album's not out yet. Yeah. (laughs) So we went up to... Remember, we went up to Capitol Records and... uh, we walked into the boardroom and there was balloons and congratulations and all that stuff and we're like, what's going on? So that uh, DJ in Vegas had re-released it and Ooh, it went up Jay to number Smith? one. Uh, Jay Smith? Um, it'll come to me, hang on. Good. Your memory's um, better than mine. But it, it, uh, yeah, so it went to number one and here, here we are, we're couriers with a number one song on Billboard in America. Something wrong with that picture, right? So. It, it didn't go number one in Canada again. It went number one the first time. That's right. In the early 80s, but it didn't go number one the second time. Yeah. And hey, here's the note, but this is, this is different on this version. The album version is a single version. Yeah. I re-sang it. That's right. Uh, for the remix. That's for, right, for, for the, the remix single for the single. Mix. Yeah. And because you didn't know where the end was. I just kept singing. You just kept singing, and <laughs> Stacy was supposed to fade you out. He never fade you out. And he kept it. So here it is. Still pretty long. <laughs> yeah. That's when I was a youngin'. That's right. Love stories like that. Couriers with the number one song. You've been listening to Behind the Vinyl, the podcast, but we've got one more to go. The highly charismatic Fred Schneider joins us again with some insights about their biggest song, what a love shack is to them, and, well, let's let him tell the story. Nothing like a good drum intro. So I was driving up to Woodstock where the band was jamming and I was trying to come up with titles for songs and Love Shack just popped in my mind. I didn't know that other bands had done songs called Love Shack. Um, So it was all original to me. So I I put out the the title and um, when we started uh, uh, also jamming in New York City, uh, we each, Kate, Cindy, and I, doing the lyrics, thought of uh, what the Love Shack meant. Uh, for me, when I was coming up with the title and some, some lyric ideas, uh, there was a club in, well, 20 miles outside of Athens in the middle of nowhere called the Hawaiian Holly, and it was an African-American disco that friends of mine had discovered, and I don't know why it was called the Hawaiian Holly, because it's in like Comer, Georgia, but um, <laughs> uh, you'd open the door, and it, it's because it's like in the woods somewhere, you'd open the door and all of a sudden you're in this fabulous African-American wild disco playing wild music, James Brown, everything. And um, so uh, that's, that, that became my inspiration. I think Kate thought of um, her house. Uh, she, lived in a, she lived in a shack with uh, like one heater, no running water. She had a pump in her, uh, live, uh, in her kitchen. She had an outhouse, you know, so you have to watch out for black widows and things like that. Calves would come up and she had chickens. Um, 
but uh, when you see uh, the video, uh, we tried to just create a real wild party. Everyone's invited, because uh, that's always been our philosophy for shows. Uh, everyone's invited. Uh, if you're old, young, any race, creed, or color, uh, well, Donald Trump don't come. Uh, you're invited to our party. Uh, and uh, when you, uh, well, Chrysler's in America back then were as big as whales. I'm thinking of like a 1970 Chrysler. I mean, it's like a boat with wheels. Um, so somebody on the set had a Chrysler, giant Chrysler convertible. And so we performed in that. And then we had uh, Zach Alford, Sarah Lee, and Pat Irwin in the video, because they were our touring band. Uh, we had friends come up. Uh, we spent two days filming, and uh, when the police saw all the wildness coming into this small town in upstate New York, they said, we don't like those kind of people. And we, you know, you know, F you, who cares? Uh, so we just did our thing. Uh, you'll see RuPaul starting the um, the uh, dance line down the thing, which we always did. We loved a dance line, you know, where everyone takes a turn dancing. I was doing a dance called a panty fling, where you pull down your undies and throw them, you know, away. Um, and when Cindy, when we were jamming, we don't always hear what the others are saying, so. I was singing uh, whatever, then Cindy said, Tin Roof Rusted, but I didn't hear what she said, and I go, you're what? And then she goes, Tin Roof Rusted. So we thought, hey, let's keep that in, because we're the B-52s, we're going to do whatever we want. And actually, this song, Warners didn't get it, Ra uh, uh, big name radio didn't get it, but uh, it started taking off on college and alternative radio. And when uh, the major radio stations heard it, all of a sudden we're in demand. And then we did two 18-month tours, uh, almost lost our minds. Um, but thank you, Love Shack. Keeps us going. And don't expect me to get on stage and do karaoke with you, even though you're massacring it. Fred Schneider of the B-52s with Love Shack on BTV. I'm Stu Jeffries, and thank you so much for listening. Please do us and yourself a favor. Check out some of our previous episodes and make sure you subscribe to our channel for more. I promise you'll find some great stuff. See you next time. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Dan McIntosh, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.